Good morning, church. I want to thank you again for being part of our online worship this morning. I want to tell you how much I love you and how much I appreciate you. Thank you for the love that you've continued to show each other during this crisis. Thank you for the love that you've shown our community, us staying quarantined and staying at home. It is incredibly challenging on many different levels, but it really does show our love for each other and our love for our community. So thank you for what you're doing. Thank you, all of you. I really do. I miss you. I miss this room being filled with your faces. I miss the time that we can spend together. I miss giving you handshakes and hugs. But I think that every Sunday that we're apart, it's going to make our reunion that much sweeter. This morning, I want to start by sharing a story you might have heard of a man named Charles Blondin. You may have heard this story before, but Charles Blondin was the first person to cross Niagara Falls on a tightrope. Um, He ended up crossing Niagara Falls eight times on a tightrope. In fact, he loved to really put on a show when he did it. He did it blindfolded. He apparently did it on stilts. He did it, and he really enjoyed doing it pushing a wheelbarrow. And people loved, apparently the crowds would just really turn out to see Charles Blondin cross Niagara Falls walking the tightrope, pushing a wheelbarrow. And one time he was pushing his wheelbarrow across and the crowds were just hooping and hollering and they were so excited and they were so cheering him on. And when he got across, he, he hadn't planned on asking this question, but he asked them, who thinks that I can push a person across this tightrope in the wheelbarrow? And of course they all cheered and said, yes, they, they thought that he could do that. And then he said, okay, who wants to get in? And, and they all kind of laughed at first and chuckled and, and then... It got awkwardly silent as he just kind of waited. If you believe that I can do it, who wants to do it? And of course, nobody wanted to be the person that got wheeled across in the wheelbarrow until one person really did volunteer. His name was Harry Colcord, and he was was Charles Blondin's manager. And he said, yeah, I'll let you push me across. Well, Charles Blondin wasn't really ready for somebody to actually volunteer to do that. And But he did come back later, and apparently Charles carried Harry over Niagara Falls on his back. Now this is what faith looks like. Faith goes beyond just intellectually saying, yes, I believe you could do that. Yes, I believe that's true. And faith says, I'm willing to put my life on the line. This month, we're going to talk about the resurrection, But we're going to do so in a way that goes beyond just saying it happened. Faith in the resurrection is one thing to say, yes, I believe that Jesus can and has and will raise the dead. Faith goes beyond just saying, I believe the resurrection happened and will happen. Because Jesus calls those of us who say we have faith that Jesus can raise the dead. Those of us that say, yes, I believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and that he has the power over death, Jesus calls us to die with him, to die to all the things of the world. He says to us, if you really believe, then essentially get on my back, get in my wheelbarrow. If you believe, then die to all the things of the world. If you believe that I can raise the dead, give me your whole life. And so 
as we read through the book of Colossians, as, as we think about some of the things that Paul wrote to the church at Colossae, this is exactly the kind of thing that he would say, is if you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, if you believe that he is Lord, if you believe that he has the power over death, then live it out. Live out the resurrection. And our current situation living through this current pandemic, living through a a moment in our life where we have to stop doing what we were doing and a lot of our activities and sadly a lot of our jobs have just kind of come to a standstill and everything, everything is different and everything has changed. It's It's really bad in a lot of ways, but one of the positives might be that it gives us the opportunity to examine our priorities, to do some self-reflection, to ask ourselves, what am I chasing? What am I pursuing? What is it that I think will give me fulfillment? And I want us to think about that word this morning, fulfillment. Where is it that we think we will find fulfillment? Some of us are pursuing relational fulfillment. Sometimes when somebody's single, they might be thinking, if I could only find someone, if I could only get married, if I could only find that person to spend the rest of my life with, then I would be fulfilled, then I would be satisfied, then I would be content, then I would be happy. Sometimes when people are in a relationship that they aren't happy in, they might think, if this relationship ended, I would find fulfillment. Some of us are chasing financial fulfillment and thinking if we just had enough money, if we could just pay the bills, if we didn't have to worry so much about where we're going to get money for food or money for rent or money for the mortgage or money for the car payment, if we didn't have to worry about money so much, then we'd be happy, then we'd be satisfied, then we'd be content. Some of us might be chasing professional professional or occupational fulfillment, if I only had a better job, if I could only make my way up the ladder just a little bit more. What are you chasing? What are you pursuing? Where do you think you will find fulfillment? And Jesus says to us, and we know this, don't we, that Jesus says to us, I will fulfill you. I can fulfill you. I can give you fulfillment and contentment and satisfaction and true abiding happiness that scripture calls joy. And Jesus says to us, I can, I can give you those things. I can give you fulfillment. I can give you satisfaction. I can give you contentment. Do you believe me? And if you believe him, if you have faith that he can really fill you up, then he says, then give me your whole life. Give me your whole self and I will fulfill you. But the world is constantly saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, the whole Jesus thing, you know, that's good and that's fine and Jesus is okay, but you need more than just Jesus. You need more to be satisfied than just Jesus. You need need this And you need that, and you can't really have satisfaction without this other thing, and you can't have satisfaction without this. The world keeps telling us you need more than just Jesus, while Jesus is saying to us, if you want to be satisfied, give me your whole self. If you want to find fulfillment, you can only find it in me. You know, in a lot of ways, that was the situation that the church in Colossae was in. 
They, they were being bombarded with messages from other people saying, you know, Jesus is good and fine, and you can be a follower of Jesus, but you need these other things. You need these other philosophies. Unless you have this teaching, or unless you have this knowledge, or unless you have this philosophy, or unless you go through this ritual, unless you go through this ceremony, unless you do this, or unless you do that, you won't find fulfillment. And Paul really wanted to inoculate the church at Colossae, against those types of teachings, against those types of messages, by telling people, if you have Jesus, then you have everything that you need. You can be fulfilled and complete and joyful in him, and you don't have to listen to and buy what these people are selling. So let's look at our text this morning, Colossians chapter 2, starting in verse 1. Paul says this, for I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all those who have not seen me face to face that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance and understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Did you... Did you catch that for just a second? Look at what he says. He says, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In Jesus are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Do you want to know what life is all about? Look no further than Jesus. Do you, do you want to know how to be a better parent? Do you want to know how to be a better spouse? Do you, do you want to know how to be a better friend? Do you want to be, know how to be a better neighbor? Do you want to know how to go through conflict and come out of conflict with your head held high? Do you want to know how to go through crisis? Look no further than Jesus. In him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. By observing Jesus and keeping your eyes on Jesus and imitating his faithfulness to God and his self-giving love, By holding on to his promises, Jesus gives us all the wisdom and all the knowledge that we could possibly need. So if you want to know how to have a better life, if you want to know what life is all about, if you want to be a better spouse, if you want to be a better parent, if you want to be a better friend, if you want to be a better neighbor, look no further than Jesus. Because Paul says, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in him. Keep going with me. Verse 4. He says, I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I'm absent in body, yet I'm with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. So he says, I'm saying all of this so that you won't be deluded by anybody's arguments. When somebody comes up and says, oh yeah, yeah, You got Jesus, and that's fine. That's good to have Jesus, but you also need this knowledge. You also need this wisdom. You also need this philosophy. You also need this ritual. You won't buy it because you know that all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in Jesus. That if you want to know what life is all about and how to live your life, you'll keep your eyes on Jesus. But notice what he says. He says, these two things go together. Your good order and the firmness of your faith. 
your good order, how you live your life, living an ordered life. And I'm going to say something kind of bold here. But weak faith results in a disordered life. Weak faith results in a disordered life. A strong strong faith results in an ordered life. When when my focus, I'm just going to talk personally for just a second. When my focus isn't on Jesus and my faith isn't on Jesus, and my faith isn't strong, and I'm being distracted by all of the messages of the world that says, Wes, you need to be more, and you need to know more, and you need to do more, and my faith isn't anchored strongly in Jesus in in a moment, that's when my life gets tossed to and fro. How about you? The moment when I don't act the way that I'm supposed to, and I don't say what I'm supposed to, and I don't do what I'm supposed to, are the moments when I am not focused on and anchored in and rooted in and built upon Jesus, when I'm not intentionally setting my mind and my heart on Jesus, but those moments where I am focused on and rooted in and built upon Jesus, those are the moments of my life that are the most ordered Those two things go hand in hand, a well-ordered life and faith in Jesus. And so Paul says, I want to be rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. That's what this letter is all about. Look at verse 6. He says, therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. He says, just as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. You you received him as the Lord. You received Jesus as the Lord. You said, I believe it. And you were baptized into him. You received the knowledge and the understanding and the wisdom. But faith goes beyond that. Faith goes beyond just receiving Christ Jesus the Lord. And he says, now that you've received him, walk in him. It's one thing to say, I believe Jesus can raise the dead. It's another thing to say, so, because I believe that's true, Jesus, here's my life. Because I believe you can raise the dead, because I believe you have a better world for us, I say, here I am. My hands and my feet and my eyes and my mind and my mouth and my wealth and my house and my car and everything I have and everything I am, I give it to you, Jesus, because I believe. But so often our Christianity stops at an intellectual thing. It stops with knowledge and understanding. And we say, yes, I received Christ Jesus as Lord. I received Christ Jesus. I was baptized into him. I believe all the right stuff. And Paul says, that's good. Believe it. And because you believe it, walk in him. Now it's time to live it out. And these moments in our life of crisis are perfect opportunities for us to say, am I living it out? Am I really doing what I say I believe? I say I believe Jesus can bring the dead back to life. I say I believe that Jesus Christ is in charge and that he's king and that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. And and now's my opportunity to say, am I walking in him? 
Have I climbed on his back? Have I jumped in his wheelbarrow? Have I died to myself and to the world and said, I'm yours, Lord, because I believe that I want to live out the resurrection. Look at verse eight. He says, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. Notice a couple things. He says, don't be taken captive by these philosophies and this deceit and the human tradition and these elemental spirits of the world. Everything that philosophy has to to offer Everything that knowledge has to offer, even when it's right, even when it's good, it's still not as much as Jesus has to offer. It's still subject to him. It's still inferior to him. Everything that the world has to offer, everything, even when it's at its best, even when it's true, even when it's right, even when it's enjoyable, even when it's good, it's still inferior to what Jesus has to offer us. So the world says, look, look, this is good. You should accept this. This is good. You should do this. You should try this. You should believe this. You should follow this. And as long as we think, yeah, I I really need that. I need that. I I, I have this hole that needs to be filled. I'm, I'm empty and I need something else. I need something in addition. I need something to supplement me. As long as we think that we have some emptiness, then we're, we're subject to those that would come and offer us something else. But Paul says, listen, no, you've been filled in him. You're complete in him. You have everything you need in Jesus, everything you need in Jesus. And if we have that mentality that says, I have everything I need in Jesus, then no matter what comes along that says, hey, yeah, yeah, but you need this too, don't you? You need a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Or when something comes along that takes away something that we have, we don't have to worry if we understand and we embrace that in Jesus we are complete, we are filled, and that everything that the world has to offer is inferior to what we already have in Jesus. Everything that we need to know about God and everything we need to know about being human, we can find in Jesus. Why? Because the whole fullness of God dwells in him, look what it says, bodily, right? The whole fullness of God dwells in Jesus bodily. So everything you need to know about God and everything you need to know about being human, you can find in Jesus. Jesus. And Paul wants the church at Colossae to know this so that they can know you are complete. You have enough. You can be satisfied. You don't have to buy what the world is selling. And I want us to know that too. The world would have you believe that unless you have all the stuff, all the toys, all the accolades, all the promotions, all the paychecks, 
The world would have you to believe that if you don't have the right kind of knowledge or the right kind of money or the right kind of title or the right kind of stuff, then you can't be satisfied. And Jesus wants you to know you have everything you need in him. He will fill you up. Look at verse 11. In him, you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Well, think back to the Old Testament. Think back to the law of Moses. What was circumcision all about? Circumcision was God's way of marking his people to say, you belong to me. You're a holy people and I accept you. You are mine. And Paul was saying to the Gentile Christians who weren't physically circumcised that when they became Christians, they were circumcised by Jesus in a spiritual way. That they were circumcised in a way that wasn't done with hands, but he wants them to know that in Jesus, you are his. You are accepted. You are holy, not because of circumcision. And so when the circumcisers come to say, hey, you can't be fulfilled, you can't be satisfied, you don't have enough, you can't be accepted unless you go through this ritual, you can say to them, no, I already have enough. I'm already complete. I'm already fulfilled. I'm already holy. I'm already accepted because of what Jesus has done for me. Look at verse 12. Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. I love that picture, don't you? That baptism is a burial with Jesus, just like he says in Romans chapter 6, he's saying, when you were baptized, you were buried with him. Don't we see that this is what faith does? Faith says, I believe, and because I believe you can raise the dead, then I give you my life. I don't just say, yeah, yeah, I believe resurrection is something that happened. We say resurrection is something I want to experience. Not just in the end. We will experience it in the end, but I want to experience it now. And that's what we experienced in our baptism, being raised up to have and embrace and live a totally different kind of life. This is what faith does. Faith says, I believe that Jesus can raise the dead, and so I give him my whole life. And he says, when you were baptized, you were buried with Jesus in baptism, and he raised you with him through faith in the powerful working of God. Look at verse 13. And you who were dead in your trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven all of our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Whatever, whatever stood against us or enslaved us or indebted us, Jesus has defeated. Jesus has defeated 
everything that enslaved us, everything that indebted us, whether it's rulers or authorities, whether it's spirits, whether it's the law, Jesus has disarmed every enemy and he has triumphed over them. So Paul wants them to know this so that when the world comes knocking, so that when the false teachers come knocking and they want to offer some philosophy or some ritual that says in order to be complete, in order to be forgiven, in order to be accepted, you need this. You can say, no thanks. I already have Jesus. And in Jesus, I have everything that I need. In Christ, we have everything that we need. In Christ, we can say, I am complete. In Christ, we could say, I am alive. In Christ, we could say, I am forgiven. In Christ, we could say, I am accepted. In Christ, we could say, I am victorious, right? That's what Paul wants them to know that they are and what Paul wants them to know that they have in Christ. Fulfillment, satisfaction, joy, In Christ, you are complete. In Christ, you are alive. In Christ, you are forgiven. In Christ, you are accepted. In Christ, you are victorious. You don't need anything but Jesus. But it it has to go beyond just believing this, doesn't it? It has to go beyond just an intellectual thing. Paul would say, listen, now that you've received Christ as Lord, now that you've received Jesus Christ, the Lord, walk in him. Walk in him. Now live it. Follow him. I want you to think about this phrase for a second. Fulfillment is found in following. Fulfillment is found in following. Fulfillment isn't just found in acknowledging. Fulfillment isn't just found in knowing. Fulfillment isn't just found in believing. Fulfillment is found in following. If you believe that Jesus can raise the dead, then give him your whole life. Then follow him. And right now we have this amazing opportunity to stop and say, am I following? Am I giving him my whole self? Let me fill this out just a little bit more. If you believe Jesus can raise the dead, then give him your whole life and only then will you find true fulfillment. But like, what does that mean? What does that mean in really practical ways? What does it mean to give him our whole life? Paul's gonna go on in Colossians and, and describe what it looks like in a family for a husband to give Jesus his whole life and live that out in his marriage. For a wife to give Jesus her whole life and live that out in her marriage. For parents to give Jesus their life and live that out in their parenting. For children to give Jesus their life and live that out in their their being children to their parents. For masters to live that out with their servants. For servants to live that out with their masters. Jesus would describe what it looks like to give him our whole self in the Sermon on the Mount. What does it look like to give Jesus our whole life? It looks like turning the other cheek. It looks like going the extra mile. It looks like embracing a worldview and a perspective that says, when I'm weak, then I am strong. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the poor in spirit. 
Blessed are you when you're persecuted and reviled and people say all kinds of evil against you on his account. This this is what it looks like to give Jesus our whole life, to love our neighbor as ourself, to love our enemies, to do good to those who do evil to us. Jesus says, if you, if you believe in the resurrection, if you believe that I have been raised from the dead, if you believe that I have the power over death, if you believe that I have a better world and a better life to offer you, then give me your life and I'll fill it up. I'll give you satisfaction and fulfillment and completeness and acceptance that you cannot have otherwise. You know, if you were tuning into Matt Mead's class last week, you heard him say something along the lines of discipleship has a cost, right? Jesus told us, Luke 14, to count the cost. This kind of living has a cost. To give Jesus our whole life has a cost to it. But he says, not only does discipleship have a cost, non-discipleship has a cost. Deciding, I won't give him my whole life. I won't give him my whole self. There's a cost to that as well. Not only an eternal cost, but right now, it costs you fulfillment. Right now, it costs you being able to say, I am alive. I am complete. I am holy. I am accepted. By giving Jesus our whole self, our hands and our eyes and our mouth and our feet and our wealth and our home and our car and our family and saying, it's yours, Lord. Do with it as you please. Because I believe you have the power over life and death. In giving him our whole self, we can say, in Christ, I am alive. In Christ, I am complete. In Christ, I am accepted. In Christ, I am forgiven. In Christ, I am victorious. This is the life we can have in Jesus. But it has to go beyond just knowing. It has to go beyond just accepting. It has to become following. Now that you've received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Church, even though we're not here together, we are together. And as we've been saying for many, many months, we're brighter together than we are apart. We are here for you to help you in any way that we can. Please reach out to us if we can help you. If you're ready to put Jesus on in baptism or you just need prayers, or you need somebody to actually physically help you with a burden you can't carry by yourself, let us be there for you. Because in Christ, we have all of these blessings and we want to share them with each other and with our community. We're going to sing one more song and then Mark has a few more announcements for the McDermott Road family. But before we do that, let's go to God in prayer. Father, we are so incredibly thankful for Jesus. That even though in the world we have tribulation and distress and crisis, in Christ we have acceptance and forgiveness and victory. And Father, we thank you for the blessings we have in Jesus. Help us to remember that we have fulfillment in Christ, that if we will follow, we can find fulfillment. Father, I pray that you help us to take whatever step we need to take 
to come back to Jesus or to begin following Jesus. I pray that you help us and bless us, that you bring healing and peace to our world. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.